Yeah, well, they told me different stories about that, too. I mean, uh, b- before the Carolina game, uh, there was a guy, one of the team, their teammates who got um, baptized. Um, and then, uh, th- this was a couple seasons ago, but as I was doing the interviews for the, the book with them, uh, th- they told me that uh, there was a rookie who came to know the Lord through that, um, just through their witness. Welcome to the show. Today, I am here with author Joshua Cooley, who wrote The Biggest Win, which, if you've been living under a rock, is about the Eagles Super Bowl win this past season. Joshua, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. The uh, The book all came about uh, in just really a neat way. Um, I was doing a magazine story for Bible Study Magazine on about half half dozen players for the Eagles. This would have been in the spring and summer of 2017, well before the season even started. And I was just so impressed with uh, the faith of these guys, their their knowledge of God's Word, their desire to um, gather together in Christian community, that I, I thought, boy, um, I wonder if there's something more here than just mm-hmm. one magazine story. So I uh, the, the wheel started turning, and... Uh, I got a publisher interested, and then I went back to the the players, and they were all interested in doing the book, which was fantastic. Um, So the book really started taking form, I would say, uh, around August. And and, and we started doing interviews in August and and early September, again, right right before the the season was starting. So no one had any idea that the Eagles were going to do what they were going to do, which... uh, no Which one ever suspected be, them coming out of nowhere and taking the title. It, exactly. So it, it all worked out fantastically. Uh, you know, there were ups and downs throughout the season, but um, boy, uh, you know, God has a way of working these things out uh, for his glory. And uh, it, it was just such a fun ride. I love it. So one of the things that we see a lot in Christian culture is athletes who profess Jesus on the field or on the court, but maybe their lives don't line up with what we consider biblical values. How did these players contrast with that? Yeah, well, in the time that I spent with them, um, I just saw six six guys, uh, and, and the guys I'm talking about are Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, uh, two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. uh, Trey Burton, who's now with the Chicago Bears, and Zacher, two tight ends, Chris Maragos, special teams, and Jordan Hicks, linebacker. Um, but six guys who just uh, really, really live out their faith. And, and I wouldn't have put my name on the book had I not really believed in that. So they they practiced what they preached. They were so passionate about God's Word uh, they they rattled off scripture passages to me right from the get go. Even in those early uh, interviews that I was doing with them for that that magazine story I mentioned, so that impressed me right away, and that was what really um, got me interested in pursuing uh, something deeper with them. You know, the book. So again, all those things were playing into it, um, and and that Christian community element. The fact that uh, they weren't just talking the talk. They were really pursuing something much deeper. They, they know that they are fallible human beings uh, who, who need uh, that Christian brotherhood. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they gather together often. Um, 
among themselves. You know, the guys who are married with their wives, they do a couple's Bible study. That's so cute. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, their their chaplain gets involved uh, in a lot of things. So so they're they are they are very humble. Um, they are willing to admit their faults. They do not want to put themselves up on a pedestal and. Uh, all those things made me think these are guys that uh, I think we could learn a lot from. And how did you see their faith grow through this season? I mean, you mentioned the Bible studies and learning about Scripture, but did you see them, like, really grow stronger in the Lord? And if so, what did that look like? Yeah. Well, each of them has uh, a really unique story to tell. Um, so you've got high draft picks like Carson Wentz. You've got guys who are undrafted like... Uh, Trey Burton, Chris Maragos, and, and everything in between. And then just the way the the season played out for them, you know, uh, Nick Foles started on the bench and uh, as the backup quarterback, and, and Carson was, of course, the starter, and he looked like he was going to potentially uh, become, you know, the, um, the MVP of the league. And then, of course, he gets injured, and Nick comes in and replaces him, and, and, you know, we all know what happened. He, he becomes the Super Bowl MVP and mm-hmm. just a, a phenomenal story, um, you know, when, when Carson tore his uh, couple knee ligaments. So anyway, um, there were just so many storylines there about how they uh, handled adversity, how they handled the ups and downs of the season, um, and just how they supported one another. And so it was really neat to walk through um, all of those things with them. And, you know, I I was in the locker room when Chris Maragos, uh, after he tore his ACL in, uh, I believe it was after game six in uh, the Carolina game, uh, and just seeing him walk through that. I was on the phone with uh, Carson right before, the the week before they uh, played Atlanta in their first playoff game. This was as he was convalescing after his, uh, his ACL and um, other knee ligament um, injuries. So anyway, just getting a chance to walk through some of these things with these guys um, and, and just hear their thoughts on how they were leaning on the Lord um, and, and, you know, just struggling with this. Uh, um, you know, they're well-paid athletes, but when this is your life, um, injuries, especially ones that end a season, mm-hmm. um, are a very big deal. And yet they were, they were looking for ways to minister to others through these uh, injuries, not just sulking and saying, woe is me. And I thought that was a really neat thing. I mean, I'm someone who's incredibly clumsy, so I probably would not do well in the NFL. I can barely play flag football. <laughs> and that's obviously the only reason I haven't been drafted. Um, never mind that's my right. complete lack of coordination. But, <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking about like all these torn ACLs and ligaments. And I'm like, that really hurts. I couldn't do that. Oh, and so it's awesome that God was there to kind of guide them and help their attitudes. But how has their faith made an impact on the team as a whole? Yeah, well, they told me different stories about that, too. I mean, uh, b- before the Carolina game, uh, there was a guy, one of the team, their teammates who got um, baptized. Um, and then uh, th- this was a couple seasons ago, but as I was doing the interviews for the the book with them, uh, they told me that uh, there was a rookie who came to know the Lord through that, um, just through their witness, um, mm-hmm. just seeing how different they were and inviting himself to one of their Saturday night uh, 
Bible studies before a game um, that they would do in their hotel room the, the night before the game, um, just just because he saw how different they acted, how different they talked, uh, which I thought was really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson um, invited um, a rookie, I believe it was last off season, um, to join him in a study of, I want to say, the Gospel of John mm-hmm. uh, during OTAs, off-season training activities. Thank you for defining um, that, because I did not w- know what that was. <laughs> yeah, so just um, just get, getting into God's Word um, as much as they could um, during, during those, uh, you know, May and June uh, times when they were at the facility together, and then I think he said they would FaceTime uh, and still just talk about um, what they were reading and um, and learning when they when they couldn't be together in the Novacare complex in Philly. Um, so he, you know, th- he, that was just a guy that uh, Carson said he, he saw that uh, looked like um, he could he he could spiritually bond mm-hmm. with. So they're they're just looking for ways to say, um, here's who I am, here's what I believe. I'm not going to shove it down your throat. But uh, I am very much a follower of Jesus, and I would love to tell you about it if you're willing, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a really neat thing. That's, that's one thing we talk about in the book, is that sports creates opportunities to share your faith where you might not have those opportunities elsewhere, because people are willing to listen if, if they're in your sphere of sports or a teammate. So take a hold of those and fulfill the Great Commission through sports. That's a really neat thing that uh, you can do. Now I feel like I need to play sports just so I can share my faith. Again, we mentioned I'm highly uncoordinated, so that would not work. Um, Anyhow, as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the controversies that went on last season, especially with the national anthem. And I'm curious what the locker room talk was concerning faith and how they chose to approach that. Yeah, you, you know, that's honestly something that we really didn't get into um, at all um, in, in the book. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's, not, that's not a question I asked them. So, yeah, that's not... Uh, that's okay. That's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> no worries. That was just something I was personally curious about. Um, so this can kind of go back to what you were saying about being on a sports team, allowing the opportunity to share your faith. What is it like when the main leaders are Christians, and how does that set a precedent for the rest of the team just in their behaviors and how they spend their time? Yeah, good question. Um, so, again, I think it goes back to the fact that, um, you know, the, these are six guys that I talked to for the book, and so definitely uh, there are leaders there, but certainly not all of the athletes uh, on the team uh, were, were believers. And so, mm-hmm. again, the that that's not something that they were looking to shove down anyone's throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were certainly not a exclusionary with that or cliquish. Um, it's 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 a sense of hey, here's what we believe, um, and they wanted to be winsome about that. But if if someone wasn't um, you know necessarily receptive of that, they weren't going to you know give them the cold shoulder or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, we we look in the Gospels and see Jesus um, uh, was very winsome in the way that he presented um, the the good news of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and so um, that's that's the way these guys were. 
at least as everything I could I could tell. Um, and so that that's what we're talking about here. But uh, but again, a football team is a really big organization. Yes, <laughs> and so they're just they're just trying to be salt and light. One mm-hmm. of the things they talked about was um, uh, working out of the overflow. So whether it was their Bible studies, whether it was their um, uh, any sort of the the team gatherings they would do um, among the Christians, they, they they didn't want it just to be an insular community. They wanted to just have this overflow or this outflow where it would affect their locker room, their their community, Greater Philadelphia, and then their world. And so a lot of these guys are involved um, in the city of Philadelphia, in you know southern New Jersey, and they've got a lot of other ministries going on as well. Some of them go overseas during the off-season wow. uh, to, to do really cool stuff. And so they're very aware of the world around them, and, and they're not just this little isolated bubble of Christians, you know, who, who are living in some sort of mm-hmm. monastic society, <laughs> which um, is a really cool thing. They, they truly fulfill Great Commission living, which is, which is neat to see. I'm a little jealous of that, you know, because I work for a Christian organization. I mostly talk to Christians all day long. I obviously go to a Christian church, and sometimes I sit there, and I'm like, who can I share my faith with? Who can I talk to? So I just think it's fascinating that they're in a position with so much respect that they are able to have this platform, and that's just so cool to me as I'm thinking about it. Yeah, they, they, they look for ways to use their platform, and, and, you know, obviously most of us, almost all of us, do not have an NFL or a professional athlete platform, but we do have a platform nope. in some ways, mm-hmm. and so... That's, that's a message I try and get across in the book, is that wh- whether you're an athlete or whatever your platform is, use that platform to, uh, to, to preach the gospel to, to folks you know. So as a writer, um, I'm curious what your thought process was or what the Holy Spirit was prompting you to do as you saw this develop more from a magazine story into the full book. What was that like? Yeah, well, I, I was thrilled. Um, so, uh, you know, just um, very pragmatically, writing a, writing a magazine story is a lot different than writing a book. You're talking about, you know, um, maybe a thousand words or a mm-hmm. little more to, uh, to 50,000 words. So <laughs> uh, that, that right there is a, a big jump. I like but, my 400-word um, articles I write every day. I don't think I could do a book, so I can empathize with that. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I was, I was thrilled. Every, every writer... Um, you know, every sports writer would, would, you know, or at least me would, would love a chance to, to kind of bite this off. And so I was, I was thrilled that, uh, you know, the publisher was interested, the guys were interested. Um, and, uh, so it really just worked out fantastically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, one of the things that I wanted to do was really get at the heart of what, um, what Christian athletes, or, or really any athlete, you don't have to be a Christian to read this book, but um, what do athletes struggle with? Mm-hmm. And so I ran by uh, the, the topics, the chapter topics, um, to, to some of the guys, you know, to, to, to the guys I was featuring in, in the book, and, and said, hey, what do you guys struggle with? What do you guys go through on, on a you know, day-to-day basis as, as NFL players? Um, and it's not just a book for football players, mm-hmm. but obviously these guys are performing at a high level. So t- t- 
tell me what you guys think. And so they checked through my my list and they said, this is good, go with that. Mm -hmm. So we talk about things like being motivated by God's glory, not your own. And, you know, um, you know, identifying with Christ first, not just your athletic status and, and the training that goes not only into being an athlete, but the training that goes into the Christian life and dealing with the ups and downs and uncertainties of not just sports, because there's certainly a lot of uncertainties when it comes to being an athlete, but also in life and um, playing for that final victory. Mm. Again, lots lots of sports tie-ins, but not just the final victory of on the sporting field, but also in life. So um, lots and lots of good stuff in the book, but um, there's there's lots of different tie-ins between um, our athletic experience as as athletes and and life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just thrilled to be able to uh, have um, the voices of elite athletes to speak into this and, and help maybe younger athletes who are, who are not professional athletes to um, um, to be able to go through that with. And you kind of mentioned this earlier with like the parallels with the great victory that Christians are running for, but what other parallels do you see in the Christian faith and training for athletics? Yeah, well, you know, if, if you look in the New Testament, uh, Paul um, Paul loved a good sports metaphor. So <laughs> I kind of wonder yeah. what sport Paul would play. Maybe discus was that a thing then? <laughs> yeah, well, he, uh, back then, um, you know, he, they had the. Uh, I'm going to botch the pronunciation. That's of this, okay. I do that it, all the time. <laughs> the Isthmian games. Um, so uh, th- those were, uh, I believe, biennial, and so they were second in popularity in the ancient world to the Olympian Games. And so he that was other very familiar. Yeah, so he was he was very familiar with with competition, and so he he drew on those um, when he would write um, to his his ancient uh, his ancient audience, whether it was Ephesians or you know Thessalonica or Corinthians. And so when he when he gives these metaphors like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm running the race with endurance mm-hmm. and, um, you know, um, you know, we, 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 we run for a wreath that is, um, imperishable and, and not perishable. I mean, these would have been things that, that folks back then in the first century AD would have understood because, you know, n- now athletes go for a, a gold medal around their, their uh, their neck and uh, their face on the Wheaties box, right? Well, back then I'm nodding. You can't they... see me, but I'm nodding. I've always wanted to be on a Wheaties box. I was going to be a gymnast, <laughs> but we've been through this and, and and some hefty endorsements too. But mm-hmm. back then they didn't do that. They they wanted they wanted a laurel wreath around their around their head, um, and and that was that was something that was you know maybe a bunch of leaves on your head that that fade quickly and maybe have some bugs in it. Maybe that that doesn't sound too appealing to us, but back then, um, you know, military generals and other people of, of you know high social status would wear that, and so an Olympic athlete or you know another athlete would, um, if you wore that, if you got that, that was a that was a big deal, and so when Paul's writing that, his readers in the first century would understand that. So anyway, all that's to say, um, the Bible know, is all these, about these Right. These are the things we talk about in the book, and, and these are the, the perishable reasons that athletes mm-hmm. strive for. Today, 
Um, what are the perishable things we strive for? Money, fame, um, you know, in, in endorsement deals, all these things. Um, but the, the athletes that uh, I featured in this book uh, understand this, and, and the, the readers that read The Biggest Win, I want them to understand this too, is that there's so much more to life than perishable wreaths. We're going for an imperishable wreath of eternal life with Christ. And once we understand that, once we understand that our identity is in Christ and not the things that will quickly fade away, then um, our life totally changes. That's amazing. I was like, I can learn a lot, maybe if I could play sports. Uh, so anyhow, where can our listeners <laughs> find your book? A- anywhere online that, that books are sold. Uh, so Amazon, um, ChristianBook.com, Barnes & Noble, at any of those places or other online retailers, and you can also go to my website, uh, com. And if they wanted to follow you on social media, where might they find you? Yes, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at JoshuaCooley9. That's right. the number nine. Okay, <laughs> as long as things aren't spelled out, that's... <sighs> Twitter handles these days. At least yours makes sense. Thank you so much for stopping by for the show. Could you please pray for us and our listeners as our closing? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Well, Father, thank you so much for our time together today. We are just uh, amazed at your love and your mercy and your goodness to us that you've shown us in your Son, Jesus Christ, who pays for all of our sins um, by his shed blood on the cross. And, uh, Father, thank you for the gift of sports. Um, this is a gift from you. You've taught us um, so many things, and you can teach us so many things uh, through sports. First uh, Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And, and this certainly includes our, our athletics as well. So may we do everything to your glory, including the sports we play. Um, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again so much for being flexible and helping us out with our podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. All right. Have a great day. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.